Hey people, great to be with you and be able to share God's word today. Uh, if you were here last week for our YouTube premiere, Mark, our amazing associate vicar here, spoke from James 1 and how faith takes action and uh, faith in Jesus enables us to take action. Uh, if you haven't heard it yet, do check it out because it is super powerful. And today I'm going to kind of carry on with this theme into James chapter 2. Um, some brief context into where we'll be reading from. James, he was a church leader in Jerusalem, and during this period, there were some huge issues going on with wealth and power, and with bigger gaps between the rich and the poor. Um, James, who was um, Jesus' brother, used his wisdom to teach the church and Jesus' followers, and sort of uses really like direct preachers uh, to challenge Christians to live the life of Jesus. Let me read it now from verse one, and I'm sure many of you will see how direct and challenging this stuff is. My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and the poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my brothers and sisters, has God not chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom to promise those who he loved him? But you have dishonoured the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into courts? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him to who you belong? If you really keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbour as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favouritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the law, the whole law, and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. And then we skip to verse 14. And what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but have no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister was without food or daily, a daily food or clothes. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but there's nothing about their physical need, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. Um, I wanted to start um, this uh, message off by telling you guys some of the superstitions I grew up with um, as a child. Um, so there's three of them. Some of them may be very weird to you guys, um, but I'm from like an Asian family and this stuff is kind of like passed down culturally. Um, I was told, um, number one, if you are, this one only applies to um, women. Uh, sorry, yeah, it only applies to women. Um, so if you are pregnant, um, you are not supposed to eat watermelon. And um, the reason if you do eat watermelon um, is your baby uh, will just fall out. So yeah, that, that is one uh, that I grew up with knowing. Uh, another one is if you're in a relationship, um, you're not supposed to eat a pear, or you could be eating a pear, um, but the, the symbolic um, gesture of kind of eating a pear in front of your partner uh, is actually a subtle way to say, should we break up? Um, so I'll leave you guys with that one. Uh, and a ploy my mum, uh, or many mums I think, say to their kids, uh, mainly their sons to try and get their way uh, to finish their food. Uh, first of all, um, Asians tend to like idolize like fair skin and like really pale 
um, faces and plain faces. And I was told um, if I didn't eat all the rice in my bowl, um, each grain of rice would be a freckle on my future wife. Um, and so my, my family are spread, uh, they were across the UK, uh, but also Hong Kong and parts of South China. Um, but I'm nearly one of the only ones born in, uh, in the UK up north in Lancaster. Um, but I grew up with many kind of these Asian superstitions because they're just passed down. Um, and I told you guys this, um, not that I ever really paid attention to this, um, but many of my family did, and some people in Asia still do. Um, they would make sure they'd finish the rice, they'd eat or not eat pears or watermelon. Uh, and I think it's interesting that what we believe affects how we act. If you really believe in something, it changes the way you live. And there's this argument whether you are saved by your belief or by your works, by your deeds. And we're told many times, it's always about your belief, your faith. But what James is saying here is faith with no action is no faith at all. In verse 17, in the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. Whilst the genuine faith in Jesus will always affect your action. Um, I don't know about you, um, but for me, um, I sometimes think about my faith um, as just my belief in, in God or my relationship with God. But actually faith in God connects to my relationship with others. It affects the way um, we see people. It affects the way how we respond to people and how we, how we love people. And that's what James is saying here. Um, the challenging word, it's, it's a real uh, deep soul searching passage because James is seeing a church that's discriminating. Uh, Christians are not treating people equally. Uh, there's favoritism, there's special treatment for the rich, and bad treatment uh, to the poor. And he's saying this is wrong. This goes against faith in Jesus. From the very start in verse one, we read brothers and sisters who believe in Jesus does not show favoritism. Um, I've looked around for a couple of definitions of favoritism, and there's, there's two that I think um, are really fitting I've, I've come to the conclusion of. And the first one, uh, favoritism, is treating others better because they've got something to offer more of, by default rejecting others because they've got less to offer. And the second one, favoritism, offering better treatment because someone looks better, and by default rejecting others because you don't like the way they look or they don't look like you. And I never really thought of myself as someone who sees people with like more importance and treat them better, uh, kind of like when people get starstruck by someone. Um, but I, I was, I'm completely wrong. Um, I don't know if you've ever been starstruck before. Maybe it's been someone that you've admired um, or been like a hero of yours um, since you were young. Um, but my first instance that came to mind for me, uh, I worked for this great restaurant um, when I was younger. And this restaurant was really popular. There was um, sometimes like queues on a Friday and Saturday night to get in. Um, it was pretty up there, the place to go. If you want good food or drink, this, this classy establishment will, um, will be the place. Uh, and this establishment was called Weathersfields. Uh, and one of my shifts, we were told that the CEO was coming in, uh, the guy who owns all the spoons. And the manager said, like, we don't, we've got to quickly get this place uh, into shape. Um, whilst it already was, but we reswept things, we remopped, we restocked fridges. Um, and he told everyone, like, you know, we've got to we'll be on point. And I knew when he came in, uh, he would get Nicky Wong not at his 100% service level. He would get Nicky Wong at his 100 billion percent service level. He got a refillable drink. I made sure that drink never went empty. 
Uh, and you know when he left, I got a photo of him and like a handshake goodbye. It was great. Um, and obviously that photo is framed in my house. It's above my bed frame. Um, but the downside to that is uh, I forgot about the rest of the 50 tables that also needed serving. Oh, people who are thirsty and people who are hungry, people who were queuing to pay, which we always know is annoying when that happens. Um, and what's sad is people like Tim Martin, is a millionaire, probably gets great service everywhere he goes. He can afford a better meal. And um, by the way, he didn't offer me anything back as well. There was like no tip. Um, like it did nothing for me, which is what James uh, was saying in our passage before. Um, well, some people consider going to, to Weatherspoons, honestly, as a treat with their family for a Sunday meal. He would never get the service Tim could buy. And it happens outside the church, like certain people, wherever they go, um, they'll get special treatment. And at the same time, wherever some other people go, they'll be rejected. And that's not good, um, but to be honest, like I get it, it does happen, um, I see it in parts of society, it happens like even in uh, schools, in workplaces, wherever it is. But what isn't good is when it happens in the church. That some people, the poor, the low, the nothing to offer people, are rejected in the church just as they are on the outside. And it's interesting that um, I, I see in my life now that how that keeps happening without me really thinking about it. How I can prioritize people just on status or appearance and forget about the people who also need help. That, and that's the poor, James says, who actually need help and attention. Uh, if anyone is to get favoritism, it should be for the poor. Like verse five alludes to this. And Jesus always showed favor to those who were poor in spirit, but often showed favoritism for poor in the material as well. And you might be like, that happened back then, um, it, like can't be happening now in the church, or it won't happen to me. Uh, well, let's do a little test. I remember those definitions I mentioned earlier about favoritism. And verse two kind of helps us set the scene a little bit. Um, maybe you're like welcoming at the front of the church, you're a church lead, and whatever it is. You see a new person, they come into church, they're well-dressed, super nice, they're good looking, they're important. And back then, James, when he was writing this, um, if you were rich and um, you were you had status, like you're, you're important. And maybe it's someone that you actually kind of know about. And um, like, I don't know, maybe you're, a, um, you're into like creative stuff and they're a creative director and you know that maybe they're looking for new employees. Where do you tell them to sit? Maybe you tell them to sit next to you, um, at the front to get everybody to see them, like we've got this person in. Do you, get, do you say, let's grab a coffee after the service? And at the same time, next to this person, someone else comes in. And they're, 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 a, poor, they're a poor person. They're, you can tell by their, their clothes, they're, they're filthy, and it kind of smells. Um, but where do you tell them to sit? Do you tell them to sit next to you as well? At the front, do you, do you get a coffee with them afterwards too? And it's hard because like in verse one, it says, it starts with believers in glory, in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Verse two, there's a little test. And verse three and four challenges us. Are we friends or are we judges? Are we coming to church praising God and then leaving without really getting it? And let's make it less extreme. You know, um, you come to church um, and as like the service begins, who do you decide to sit next to you? 
Do you decide to sit with people who you know, who you feel safe with, familiar with? And when I share the piece, you only really want to speak to the people that you want to speak to. Like you rush to certain people and say hi. Um, I, I do this too as well. This is um, something that I, I'm really um, wrestling with. And I think it's a shame because are we as the whole church missing um, certain people out because we play it safe, because we're comfortable? And like when I reflect on this, I, I say to God, like, but you know, I want to say, I want to be with my, I want to say hi to my friends. Um, and what's really kind of um, got me is there's a story um, that Tim Rice actually shared with me. He's a member of our church. Um, and he was saying how there is, um, there's no other place in society where you can bring in people who are like married, couples, um, families with kids, um, like a single parent, young, old, um, rich, poor. The church is where it's supposed to happen. So, so this, this happens then, it happens now, and it happens in society. We make judgments and prioritise. And we can often see relationships as transactional, especially in the workplace. Like you go into them maybe thinking, what can I get out of this? What does this person offer me? Does this person give me joy maybe? Um, how, can I, how can they help me get where I want to go? And the problem is when we start thinking like that, we start putting people in boxes of relevant, irrelevant. Of useful to me, not useful to me. Worthy of my time, not worthy of my time. Yet Jesus was and is the exact opposite. Did you know God doesn't need anything of you? But there's no one who's given you more. There's no one who has loved you greater and has asked for nothing in return. Did you know that whilst we ourselves were still sinners, when we were poor in spirit, Christ died for us. And without Jesus, we are, we are those who are in filthy clothes, who smell, who are unworthy you know, Jesus encountered people, whether they were rich, poor, man, woman, Gentile, Jew, and he would serve. And he'd usually ask the question, like, how can I help you? Because he saw not a person on their appearance or status. Like, you only need to see his disciples, like they were nobodies. But he just saw them as children, loved by God, and that's it. It's such a counter-cultural way to see people. And faith in action means loving our neighbour, seeing people worth in the eyes of Jesus. And James continues um, his writing. Um, it's not just telling them, like, don't have favouritism in the church between rich and poor. Uh, it's not just about the way you speak or think. Um, there's a problem outside. Um, so well, as he was writing this, there's, a, there's poverty all around them and they didn't care. They don't care. In verse 13, it says, suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but there's nothing about their physical need, what good is it? Living faith isn't just about good intention or good works. Faith should move from our heart and to our hands. And, you know, um, we see and we hear so much stuff in the world, don't we? Like heavy things that's on our hearts um, that sometimes we can only just pray about. But I love when Jesus was asked, what are the greatest commandment in the law? He said two things. He said, he said, the first thing, love the Lord your God with your heart, mind, soul. And then the second thing, he said, love your neighbour. And our neighbour is the person who we live near. 
those who are around. It's our co-worker and it's maybe the people who are next to you now. What would it look like if everyone watching would just focus on maybe one person, maybe even around the world too, maybe if everyone around the world focused on one person, would we see transformation? Uh, I'm going to close uh, in a similar way to how I opened um, with a kind of childhood type sharing. Um, so I didn't grow up in a church family. Uh, my mum did take us to church when uh, I, my sister and I were younger, um, but nothing really stuck. Uh, and it was really difficult because if you don't know Lancaster, it, it's, it is mainly like a, a white um, British middle class place. And if you weren't middle class, you most likely lived on the other side of the river, um, which, um, well, we were on the other side of the river. Um, so, but something my mum uh, had always said, and even though nothing in terms of like preaching ever stuck for her, uh, or for me or my sister, we remember acts from people. And some of these people are still in our lives today. Um, There's small stuff, but I remember that, and there was one time when uh, I needed picking up from school and my mum was ill. And this lady from church came and picked me up and took me home. And this woman, owes my mum nothing and we, we nof- like there's nothing to offer back and um, but she still did this and then um, other times and um, we didn't grow up um kind of my mum didn't really get us like presents really and during christmas it wasn't something that we um could really do at the time um but i remember jill uh she is she's another lady f- um from the church um and she would get my sister and i something and still does to this day actually uh this woman owes us nothing as well, nothing to give back to her, but she did this. And more recent years, um, when I was new to the church um, as a student, um, there are some people who are friends now offered time to disciple and to pray and to go out of the way to just help me in life. And again, asking for nothing back, but because they, they love God and they love their neighbor. And, and my encouragement to you um, as we finish is um, you have the good news and you have neighbours. So we should go out and we should love people um, and people where, where they are now, where you are now, because God's put you in a place that you need to be. Um, and kind of with the story kind of at the end, it's um, remember that small acts filled with lots of love is better than one big act with little love. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you see us for who we are, that we're all equal in your eyes and that you love us regardless of what we've done, our status. And would you fill us with um, that acceptance and would you convict us into um, being able to share that with other people that we see in our circles of life, whether it's school, workplace, home, friends, that we see people through the lenses of your eyes, that you um, convict us to act with lots of love, whether they're big or they're small. So would you help us this week to do so? Amen.